Good morning. I'm Earl Stewart. I welcome you to Earl Stewart on Cars, a live talk show all about how to buy, lease, maintain, or repair your car without being ripped off by a car dealer. With me in the studio is Nancy Stewart, my wife, co-host, and a strong consumer advocate, especially for our female listeners. We also have Rick Kearney, an expert on how to keep your car running right. I dare you to ask a question that Rick can't answer about the mechanics or electronics of your car. Also with us is my son, Stu Stewart, our LinkedIn side space through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope. Stu is also the Spymaster Director of our Mystery Shopping Report. He dispatches our secret shopper weekly to an unsuspecting South Florida dealership. And now, on with the show. Good morning, folks. Well, we're back, and I have to say that there's an important part of our team missing this morning temporarily. Nancy Stewart, my co-host, had a little surgery yesterday on a tendon on her foot. And the doctor says she should skip the show today, but she's with us in spirit, and uh, she will be probably calling in the show a little bit later, and she'll be fine. She'll be uh, back in business next week. Um, For the new folks to the show, uh, my name is Earl. I'm a recovering car dealer, and I've been doing this show with Nancy. She's only missed one other show, and that was a double knee replacement, so she's a real trooper. She uh, rarely misses the show. Uh, we've been on the show, doing this show for 17 years, and a different radio station when we started. Started out half an hour, built to two hours, and we've uh, got quite an audience. Uh, we're, we're different uh, from any other show you've seen because we're candid, we're real, we're transparent. We tell it like it is. Uh, we talk directly to the issues of buying cars, leasing cars, maintaining and repairing your car, and the highlight of our show is our mystery shopping report. I, I talk about that a lot because it truly is something that nobody dares do. We uh, visit a car dealership somewhere in Florida. We've visited hundreds of them over the, over the years. And uh, we go in there pretending to buy or lease a car. And we name names. We name the name of the dealership, the car salespeople, the managers we deal with. And we tell you exactly how we were treated, or the mystery shopper was treated, current mystery shopper is pseudonym Agent Thunder, uh, because this is probably what would happen to you if you walked into this particular dealership. Then, after we grade the dealership, and you vote on it at the end of the show, we in the studio vote, and then you vote, and we take a consensus, and we grade on the curve, and we either pass the dealer or fail the dealer. Those that are passed are on a recommended dealer list, and those that fail, of course, we warn you, don't do business with this dealer. Now, we give all dealers second, third, fourth chances, and we go back in. Our mystery shopping report uh, this afternoon, or this morning, I mean, uh, is a third or fourth time we visited this particular dealership in South Florida. So, one to clue you in, stay tuned. That'll come later on in the show, the mystery shopping report. Meanwhile, uh, the, the uh, I guess you would call it the core of our show, uh, the meat and potatoes uh, part of our show, the important is you to call in, ask questions, make your observations, criticisms. We love criticism. We even have car dealers that call in, love to talk to some car dealers. I work out with a car dealer. I do my uh, circuit weight training, one-on-one fitness, and I see him in there every morning. And he's a retired dealer from Connecticut. He listens to the show. So we have a lot of dealers out there. Love to encourage you dealers that listen to the show to call in. 
Um, this dealer is complimentary of what we do, but if you have some criticism, constructive or otherwise, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we also have other sources of communication that are very important. Even have an anonymous source, youranonymousfeedback.com, www.youranonymousfeedback.com. You send the uh, message to us. We don't know who it came from. It's totally anonymous, guaranteed anonymous. And just tell it like it is. That's, that's a very popular way to communicate. We have people that really don't have anything to hide or not embarrassed about anything. But for some reason, they just like the idea of anonymity. And I can understand that. Youranonymousfeedback.com. The text number is the most popular. And that's 772-497-6530. Text us. We usually have a nice backlog of texts this week. Uh, approach the end of the show and we fall back on that sometimes when the callers don't call in. So the text number for the second time is 772 area code 497-6530 and of course the call in number. Normally Nancy Stewart monitors the calls. Nancy Stewart as I told you earlier is recuperating at home right now and uh, Rick Kearney is going to be watching the keyboard, the uh, the computer that shows the callers. And the call-in number is 877-960-9960. That's 877-960-9960. So with that, oh, I got to do this because Nancy Stewart normally does this. We really, really love to have female callers. The women, when we first started 17 years ago, no women called, just a bunch of guys calling. Something about cars and guys and, you know, I don't know what. Women buy half the cars at least, and they maintain the cars. I think more than half the women are ones bringing them in for service. So they're a very, very important economic equation, part of the whole plan. We love to have your calls. And Nancy has built that up by offering an incentive for first-time female callers. That incentive is $50 cash. No strings, no requirements. If you've never called the show before and you're female and you call the show, that's all you have to do. And you can ask a question if you want to, or you can make a comment or a criticism or just say good morning. If you're the first-time female caller, $50 cash. So you can't beat that with a stick. That's for the first two. Now, we can't give out thousands of dollars in one day, but we'll give out $100 in one day, $50 each to the first two female callers. Um, Stu, Rick, you guys got anything on your mind? I got Takata on my mind. Takata. Yeah. The, the, the recalls are, are flowing in, and not just Takata. Um, Toyota, Honda just announced a yeah. massive recall. Yeah. Um, we've had uh, stop sales on, uh, for, for, you know, for us as a dealer. Yeah. On, uh, well, thankfully, they're on some older cars, but I really shouldn't say thankfully. It's more likely that new cars get the recalls fixed than used cars. It's embarrassing yeah. to us as Toyota dealers. I don't... We don't talk about being a Toyota dealer because this is not an infomercial. But I can't just say I'm not a Toyota dealer because I am. And frankly, sometimes I get embarrassed. And I probably shouldn't because virtually every manufacturer got caught up in the. Yeah. And uh, we're all caught in the same barrel of the Staccato recall. 
Yeah, sometimes, I mean, you might know better than me, but sometimes I think that manufacturers are more likely to fess up, acknowledge the, 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 the problems and report them to the government and put out the recalls than they did in the past. Yeah. So it might not be that cars are getting worse or, <laughs> or anything like that. It just could just be that uh, there's a lot more transparency now. So, But yeah. it can be scary because some of these things I are I think we got a phone dangerous. call. Great. We do. We've got Becky, first-time lady caller. Hello, Becky. Hi, how are you? Hey, Becky. Thank you very much for calling, and thanks for calling for the first time. We really appreciate that. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. I listen. I get up early every huh? Saturday to listen to Earl Storm. Well, fantastic. So you've listened before, but you haven't called in before. Well, thank you very well, much. And uh, we, we'd love to. Nancy especially appreciates it because yeah, this is her I'm thing. Oh. Well, I miss her. And I wish her the best. She's, she's listening right now. Uh, I bet. I, mean, uh, I guarantee you. <laughs> yeah, my question is about a Kia Soul. I have a 2013 Kia Soul, and I've noticed that um, some of the paint is starting to bubble, and my husband said it's around the plastic pieces like the side mirror and the door handle. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that? Well, we hear, we hear a lot about paint problems, and uh, all manufacturers seem to be getting into that. Uh, 2013, that would be out of your warranty on paint. And uh, I'll ask Rick to address that in a second, but uh, my first advice to anybody with a paint problem that's out of warranty is to take it to your Kia dealer and maybe take it to a different Kia dealer if you're not having good experience with the present one and explain to them that this is a defect. Uh, your, your Kia isn't so old as that your paint should be peeling off and would they apply for goodwill adjustment goodwill is what you can get that will extend the warranty and it has to be a direct contact with the Kia manufacturer and sometimes they'll either come up and reimburse you for the repair or at least for part of it yeah it tends to be that's the plastic right the plastic pieces or is that metal uh well paint can peel anywhere yeah both and uh, Rick's got a comment on that. It's almost like a clear coat. Clear yeah. coat, yeah. If, if the clear coat is starting to peel, that, that's what's called delamination. And it, that's happening on a lot of manufacturers now. And I'll actually kind of one-up on Earl here. Before you go to speak to Kia, I would go on the Internet and do some research in the forums, especially for Kia owners, and see if it's a common problem that a lot of people are reporting because if it is, that kind of gives you more ammunition when you go in to speak with them, yeah. and you've got a little better chance of saying, hey, look, you know, I'm reading reports on the internet where there are thousands of people across the U.S. having right. this problem. You know, then they know you're aware. Good, good point, Rick. I, I should have mentioned that. Yeah, uh, you can get a lot of information off of chat rooms and things like that. And if you just go Kia Soul 2013 paint problem, put that into Google search, and it'll come up with all sorts of links. And now if it doesn't come up with a link, then you're going to have an uphill battle because there have been no other people complaining. But my guess is you'll find other people with the same problem. Okay, I'll look into that. I got your book for Christmas, and I love it. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Now, did you, did you say this is the first time you've called? Yeah. Okay. okay. Will you uh, text your contact information to us? Do you have our text number? Yes, I have. 
800-497-6530. Text us your contact information so we can send you a check for $50, and we'll get that out very quickly to you. And, Becky, thank you so much for being a listener. Thank you, Earl. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. Have a great day. Okay, 877-960-9960. And uh, text number is 772-497-6530. And we were just in the middle of uh, talking about the Takata issues, and I cut Stu off because we prioritize our callers. That's right. we got to get the callers in. I know. We, we were talking about the... Um, what seems to be an avalanche of recalls in recent years, yeah. uh, and that was brought on by what, the announcement this past week about Toyota and Honda's, uh, I think it was like almost 2 million vehicles. Unbelievable. Yeah, and that came on the heels of another massive Takata, another round of Takata um, recalls, which were, in fact, uh, recalls, oh, fixes for previous Takata fixes that were replaced with uh, more Takata airbags. Yes. So um, for me, as the mystery shopper uh, wrangler, um, it makes my job a little bit easier to find recalls out there. It's, it's like shooting fish in a barrel right now. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even mention this to you, Stu, but I had a, a text uh, conversation with Ted Smith, the president of the Florida Automobile mm -hmm. Dealer Association, accidental. He accidentally sent me a text, and then we chit-chatted back and forth a little bit. Uh, he's the president of the association, member for many years, and... He really has a conscience, and uh, he really has concern. Uh, he said that he did read my letter, referring to my letter uh, to the President of the Senate, the, uh, the Speaker of the House, the Governor of the State, DeSantis, and uh, asking them to step up to the plate, also the Attorney General of Florida, step up to the plate and do something about making it illegal, stop sale on cars with Takata airbags. And... Uh, He's trying to do something, but it's, it's very difficult, uh, even though you're the president of the association, to get all the car dealers in line to follow something like that. Yeah. That would have huge e economic impact. Uh, the dealers couldn't afford, probably, the economic impact. The manufacturers could. If there were a stop sale on all cars with unfixed or cut airbags or any dangerous recall, meaning it's illegal, the manufacturers wouldn't permit it, and the law would not permit you to do it, then the manufacturers would have to absorb that economic impact because they'd have to take care of the dealers. And uh, that's it's kind of like you go first kind of a thing, and that's the reason that's being totally ignored. Well, that's pretty exciting to hear from, you know, from Ted that yeah. there's actually some interest. Yeah, he's, uh, he's concerned, but he, you know, he's not a dictator. All he is yeah. is the president of the association. Rick? Just one thought, folks. Most important thing to take away from this conversation, www.safercar.gov, S-A-F-E-R-C-A-R.gov. This website, you can put your VIN number in, and it will tell if there are any open safety recalls yeah. on your car. And even if you've had your car repaired once for a Takata recall, check it again because a lot of these cars... The, they had to put in an airbag that was newer, but it was still the same Takata-type airbag that needs to be replaced again later on down the road. So I would recommend at least once every couple months, check your car's VIN to see if it's under a recall. There's even apps you can get on your cell phone where you simply scan your license plate, and it will automatically run your VIN through that uh, site to see if there are any open recalls for your car. You know, you just gave me a, a thought. 
because we give this number out frequently. Thanks to you, Rick. You usually remember, and I forget, safercar.gov. And I wonder, you know, we have a radio audience, maybe 20,000 people out there. Uh, we don't know exactly. We need to get the Nielsen report on the show. But it's, it's, it falls on deaf ears a lot of times. And actually, we're preaching to the choir. The listeners to Earl on Cars, Earl Stewart on Cars, are usually fairly educated, uh, sharp, savvy consumers. And most of them don't get into the trap of buying cars with uh, uh, dangerous recalls. If there were some law that did nothing more than have it stamped in red on every used car buyer's order, safercar.gov, or that you required a customer to sign a affidavit or a, a, I, I hereby acknowledge that I was told to check my this car's VIN with safercar.gov to be sure. I mean, there's so Some, many ways. Something. Yeah. Just something. I something. mean, something's yeah. better than the, the status quo right yeah. now. Yeah, make, make it illegal to sell the car if the customer hasn't gone to safercar.gov. I mean, if you want to put it on the backs of the buyer, well, they don't care. Okay. If, if you really don't care about buying a car with a safer car with a dangerous recall, then you go ahead and go to safercar.gov, print it out, and read it, and says, this Takata airbag can blow up in my face and kill or maim me, and say, but I don't want to fix it, and I still want to buy the car. If you want to do that, then go ahead and do it. Exactly. But I think the responsibility of government should be to be sure you know what you're doing. I, can't, I could not understand if there was any pushback from car dealers on that. I mean, I, I understand the argument about stopping the sale of them. They claim it's a, create a massive economic hardship, and I understand it. I think that lives uh, trump that, but uh, if, if at the very least, yeah. put some some requirements in, uh, in, uh, in, dis in the robust disclosure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, folks, we need some calls. Uh, we've had one call uh, from Becky. And that's great because she's a female caller. We still have $50 cash for the second, first-time female caller, and that number is 877-960-9960. That's 877-960-9960. And our text number is 772, area code 497-6530, 772-497-6530. Of course, lest I forget, Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, YouTube, you can post and talk to us in that in that fashion. We'll answer all your questions. Do we have any text? Yes, we do. Let's get to the text. I got something really good. This came from Andreas. Um, he's a longtime listener, Facebook watcher, and texter. Um, Andreas sent a picture of a direct mail piece that he got from a dealer. <laughs> um, well, it might not be a dealer. I, well, it is. I think it's a dealer. It's, it's hard to tell. Um, but it's a it's it's a solicitation for an extended warranty. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a scare tactic, and I haven't seen anything like this before. Uh, I'll just read the letter. It looks just like a business letter. Uh, it looks very official. I'm sure it came in a very official-looking envelope mm -hmm. uh, designed to get you to open it. It says, Dear Andreas, we have just been advised that there will be a price increase to our extended vehicle service plans, EVSP, effective January 30th, 2020. After that date, we will not be able to honor the service contract pricing designed specifically for your 2019 Hyundai Elantra GT. Oh, my. Oh, my. Horrors. <laughs> <laughs> Please call us 
Hey, by the way, I'm going to read the numbers if you guys want to call. <laughs> Please call us at 1-866-221-3005 so we can hold your EVSP contract at the lowest program rates. When vehicles expire out of the original manufacturer's warranty due to time or mileage, the vehicle service plan fills that hole and puts your vehicle back under coverage in line with our best loyalty pricing plans. Blah, 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 blah. And so, and it's signed Rebecca Patterson, Vehicle Protection Coordinator. Yeah. Never, never, never buy an extended warranty online. Uh, it's really got uh, something you need to be careful of in person. You got to read the contract and see what excluded. Typically, they read what's included in the warranty, but they don't tell you what it doesn't cover. And typically, extended warranties that you buy cover the things that you will never need and don't cover the things that you will need. Right. And they are ridiculously expensive. And uh, a lot of these companies coming out, out of Nevada for some reason. They must have very lax regulation. Yeah. 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 Uh, the thing that I get a kick out of on TV, uh, there is, like so for us here in the room, an extended service contract, which everybody commonly calls an extended warranty. It's just a, you know, it's an yeah. insurance product. It's nothing new or exciting. Some people get them, some people don't. Um, but these ads on TV, they make, them, make it seem like this, it's this brand new thing. Yeah that is this miraculous thing that will protect your vehicle and, I th and it definitely for people who are not in the business or are not familiar with it it, it looks like uh, something that they might be interested in getting but um in any case i'm just always amazed by at the creativity <laughs> and the cunning yeah. of some of these direct mail uh, campaigns it works that's the reason they do it yeah any more text yeah yeah uh we have one from brian out in california okay it says hey guys this is brian from the west coast of california I didn't, well, maybe on Lake Tahoe they have an East Coast. <laughs> Sorry, Brian, I, I tease. Uh, quick question for you today. Do all manufacturers have a lease disposition fee at the end of a car lease? My dad is a 2017 Civic that is at the end of, the, of its lease. He doesn't drive a ton after retiring from work. He's trading it in uh, well under yearly mileage. The car already had its inspection done early, and there's no excess wear and tear to the car. It looks like a new Civic. Uh, we've leased more than five Hondas, and he's pretty surprised that they're still going to charge him the fee. In fact, he is pretty much over Honda for several reasons. He's going to drive a spare car I have around because he doesn't want to pay for any more expensive leases. Uh, do any manufacturers not use lease disposition fees? Thanks, as always, and looking forward to the show as I do every week. I know of none. Do you, Stu? Rick, mm -hmm. I think they all do it. You know, it's kind of, it's, it doesn't make it any less uh, bad. Uh, it's it's the wrong thing to do. It's a hidden fee, and uh, there's another little twist to that. I just learned this myself the other day uh, when I wrote my blog on the uh, option to purchase, and found out that Toyota uh, they have a lease disposition fee. I believe three hundred fifty dollars. Three fifty. And uh, if you lease again or buy again, they waive the fee. So it's kind of like a blackmail thing to keep you buying and leasing, and then. If you exercise your option to purchase, they rename the lease disposition fee. Purchase fee. Purchase fee. Right. And they charge you $350 because you're buying your own lease car back. But uh, the whole leasing game needs investigation. You need transparency. You go into a lease of car, you should know exactly what you're paying. Just like when you go in to buy a car. I always recommend all things being equal, the rule of thumb buy a car instead of lease it, mainly because there's too many tricks. You have, when you when you lease a car, you write these down, you're not going to believe this. When you lease a car, you start out with an inception fee. Mm -hmm. 
Hmm. That's three or four hundred dollars. And then no, 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 more like seven hundred dollars. Oh, they raised it, oh, okay, yeah. or, or nine hundred. I mean, they're high. Is yeah. that right? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, like a, the acquisition fee. Acquisition, yeah, yeah nine ninety-five. I call it inception because of opposite disposition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you lease it, they charge you just an extra fee because you leased it. Then the dealer charges you a dealer fee or more because he wants to make a profit. I'm gonna interrupt my thought because nothing trumps a call. We, we have, have Carol from Palm Beach Gardens. Good morning, Carol. Good morning. How are you doing today? We're doing great. Wonderful. <laughs> my my mom has a um, 2003 Avalon, and she really loves it. Mm-hmm. But she wants to upgrade a little bit. I didn't, I didn't know if you had any used Avalons there at the dealership. Well, Carol, we... Uh, uh, we have all of our cars posted online with our out-the-door price. Uh, we have uh, new cars and used cars. And if you go to EarlStewartToyota.com and you can go to our used cars, click on our used cars, you'll see a complete description, uh, mileages, pictures, inside and out, and the uh, out-the-door price. I hate to talk about it, but you asked, so I'm going to answer your question. The reason I hate to talk about my own dealership is because this is not an infomercial. Uh, but right. I certainly can't refuse to answer your question. And the good, <laughs> the good thing about our website is you get an out-the-door price with no hidden fees, and you can take that price. You might find a nice late-model Avalon, and you can get our price, take that price to another Toyota dealer, and see if they can beat it in a car that's as good and be sure you're getting an out-the-door price from them. Give you something to uh, shop and compare. Competition is a great thing when you're buying a new or used car. Okay, great. Thanks so much. Carol, is, are you a first-time caller? No, I I listen to the show all the time. It's oh, great. great. Well, thanks for calling. We really appreciate it, and good luck with the Avalon. Okay, thanks so much. Have a nice day. You too. Have Bye-bye. Nice. You know, the funny thing with the disposition fee, it acts exactly like the dealer fee, the hidden fees, it just allows manufacturers and dealers to, to advertise a lower payment. Yes. Uh, I mean, you, everything, every cost that the leasing company incurs could be included in the payment that's advertised. Exactly. It could be. Yeah. The disposition fee could be yeah. in there, the acquisition fee. Now, the payments would look higher and not uh, not very exciting, yeah. um, but if every manufacturer would do that, it, w- it would be relative. That's the key. Yeah. And, and this is spread through many industries. As you know, rental cars, uh, hotels, um, airlines, all the big industries now, and they're starting to get into it. They're starting to go after it. Uh, but you're absolutely right. All your costs should be included in your price. Your light bill, your phone bill, your rent, uh, you know, the cost for janitorial services, all your costs should be included in the price of your product. And when you split something out, the airlines got really good about that. You know, they got so competitive that they started charging for baggage and, uh, and uh, yeah. uh, you know, even a carry-on they charge and all sorts of crazy stuff. I think the car dealers invented it and when they got away with it, then all the other industries are following suit. They charge you for weight? Yeah. Well, I mean, that might make sense. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah. You well, should see, you it should see be. the way I pack. Exactly. <laughs> I take my I own mean, closet with me. Exactly. I mean, uh, <laughs> it, okay, Stu, any more text? Yeah. Uh, actually, let's go to anonymous feedback. Uh, this oh, one uh, just came in uh, right after we started the show. It says, Hi, I hear you say 
Um, here you all say the dealerships you mystery shop should fix the recalls before selling the used cars. Do, do you, as a dealership, check all your, your used cars for recalls and get them fixed before you sell them? Yes, we certainly do. And uh, it's no big deal because I mean, we yeah. don't even have to pay for the, the fix. If it's, uh, if it's our product, if it's a Toyota, Toyota reimburses us uh, quite nicely, I might say. Uh, Rick can do a recall, and he gets paid for it. And then the dealership makes a profit, Rick makes a profit, and the customer has a safe car. So why people don't do that, I'm not quite sure why dealers don't do that. Uh, their main excuse is that if they have to take it to another dealer, let's say I'm a Chevrolet dealer and I have a Honda in my used car inventory, I have to take that Honda, if it has a recall, to the Honda dealer. Now the Honda dealer might not fix it fast enough, but I don't have to pay for the fix but I have a clean conscience because when I get the car back, I put it in my used car lot, and I can honestly say this is a safe car. So uh, the, only, the only problem arises when uh, when there's no fix for it, and like we did with the Takata. And at one point, yeah. we had uh, dozens of cars yeah. that we stored, and we still have uh, we still have seven right yeah. now. And the oldest one we have actually we have a 2012 Ford Mustang. Yeah. that we've had in storage for 1,304 days as of this morning. Yeah, our cost, and this is true since this started out, is approaching a round numbers, about a million dollars, that the dealership has had to pay uh, out of pocket uh, for not uh, wanting to kill our customers. Right. Yeah, I, and it's a small price to pay. Yeah, AutoNation uh, had the same problem. Uh, the president and CEO of AutoNation, Michael Jackson, uh, made the commitment. Sorry. <laughs> made the commitment not to sell a car uh, with a dangerous recall, and he held true to his promise for a year. And then suddenly the stockholders of AutoNation got on him and said, you know, you're not maximizing our profit. Uh, we want you to uh, stop absorbing that expense. So we started selling the cars again. And since then, just about everybody does it. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's go to a text here. This is from Steve in New Jersey. Uh, he has a question for you. He says, were you, were, were you ever able to contact the author of the Consumer Reports female safety article from the November issue? He's a safety advocate. I said it again. He wanted to know if you were ever able to contact the author of the Consumer Reports female safety article. I have not. And uh, let me think about that while we talk to a caller here. Earl, your wish just came true. Tony from Stewart, who is a Canadian car dealer. Ooh. Hello, Tony. Hello, Tony. Hello, hello, Earl. Hey, I have Tony. to tell you, I listen, I listen to your program occasionally, and you are a breath of fresh air. Oh, thank you, Tony. I appreciate that. I'll give you, give you a little background on me. I started selling cars in 1964. Wow, I was 68. So you beat me. <laughs> yeah, Volkswagen Beetles were 1695 and 1895. <laughs> wow. That is, <laughs> that is amazing. Do you remember when the first car went up to ten thousand dollars sticker price? Uh, I, I thought that was the end of the world. <laughs> Nobody ever paid ten thousand dollars for a new car. So did I. I thought you know. <laughs> went on a little further. I, after selling Volkswagens for a while, I ended up at a GM dealership for five years, and from there went to a Ford deal uh -huh. where I became a manager. Okay. And then I stepped out after five years there. I stepped out onto my own, and I own and operate a automobile leasing company that's a family business uh -huh. that I've had for 43 years wow. and I was voted least likely to succeed <laughs> when I left the Ford dealer. <laughs> Tony, in Canada, business, in Canada, yeah, 
And Canon, I just want to ask you a quick question. What, sure. is, what is the level of ethics in the, in the country, in Canada? Is You see what's going on in South Florida and you listen to the show. Does, do the Canadian dealers have a higher standard of ethics much, and honesty? Much, much, much higher. Much yeah. higher standard. Interesting. Much uh-huh. higher standard. We run a fleet of 400 cars. Uh-huh. And I'm in the process right now. I've had an Audi leased out to a customer of mine, an Audi Q7. Mm-hmm. It got stolen. Uh, I'm giving the man back $30,000 that he has in equity. Wow. Uh, what, what he do his new car. To what do you attribute the higher level of ethics and transparency Canadians in Canadian nice, car dealerships? Is it because... Well, we, uh, have, yeah, go ahead. We, have, we have legislation. We have a thing called uh-huh. OMVIC. Oh. Ontario Motor Vehicle people, you know, and, and they get involved in stuff like that, and they regulate stuff like they regulate advertising. Mm-hmm. You have to disclose the full price. I help neighbors of mine buy a Lexus down here, and I'll tell you, uh, we got down to the nitty gritty, and I said to the salesman, "What's the price of the car?" And the guy said, "63 thousand and change." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Where'd you get that price?" He said, "Why?" I said, "The sticker on the window says it's sixty thousand two hundred." <laughs> Oh, he says, but we've added this, 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 and this. I said, I don't want any of that stuff. Yeah. He said, it's already on the car. So take it off. <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. And then they charged. Then they charged my friends five hundred dollars for licensing. Yeah. And they said, we'll send you a refund if it's too much money. <laughs> That's you know? amazing. Oh yeah, no. There was there was a you could make a movie about this because it was incredible. They came. I finally told them how much we were going to pay, and they came back for a five hundred dollar bump. And I said, "No, you got fifty. He said, "What am I going to do with fifty dollars?" I said, "Order a pizza because I'm hungry <laughs> for three hours." Order for the sales staff. Tony, you ought to sell your services. That uh, everybody well, needs I'll a tell Tony. You, they one. Asked, that's another question they asked me afterwards. After we made the deal, the sales manager came out and said, "What are you charging these girls for your services?" I said, "Excuse me." They asked me again, I said, where I come from, when you do someone a favor, the word money never enters into the equation. <laughs> that is funny. That is really funny. Tony, I tell you what, you know, I, I'd like to try to, uh, we have a mystery shop every week. Maybe maybe, yeah. uh, maybe I could talk in and do a mystery shop for us. I'd love to have a guy that is as savvy as you going into a car dealership and tell us what happened to you. Well, you know, there's... <laughs> This salesman I had tried to give me the mumbo jumbo. I said to the guy, I said, listen, I've been selling cars longer than you've been on the face of the planet. <laughs> and the guy didn't believe me. So I asked him if he was born before 1964, and he said no. You know, it, it's just it's, it's just horrific. I'm going to uh, Google some, some websites of Canadian dealers. And, uh, and now that you've explained this to me and see, see how their online advertisements vary, um, the hidden fees, the dealer fees, do they, do they charge yeah, the that, extra fees? No. No, no, you cannot. You have to disclose everything. On new cars, on new cars, they'll charge you an admin fee of anywhere from two ninety five to four ninety five. Mm-hmm. You know, But I had a dealer. I tried to buy a used a Wrangler in, in Port Lauderdale for a nephew of mine whose daughter had a scholarship down there. And the salesman said to me, we have an $895 inventory fee, and that's non-negotiable. <laughs> And I said to him, and I said to him, well, wait a minute. I said, he said, we have $40 million in inventory. I said, what about the guy who sells soup and he's got $40 million worth of soup in the back of his building? When he sells a can of soup, does he have an inventory fee? I said, that's the cost of doing business. What are you giving me? Yeah. 
I mean, you might as well put the salesman's commission, your advertising expense, and your phone bill in there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing too is we are we are being uh, uh, rated for used trucks, especially in in uh, Canada, Toronto, especially. Uh-huh. They're all coming. Uh, they're all coming stateside. Well, you hear Tony, and he's from Canada. And if you live on the border of the USA and Canada, I'm going to advise you to drive across the border and buy your car in Canada because you're going to get a more transparent, honest transaction. Uh, Not only that, but you're getting a 30% kick for your buck. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. So uh, I I sold a used truck, a a Chevrolet, fairly well loaded used truck at the auction up in in Toronto. mm -hmm. And... The next day, I remembered that I left my wallet in the side door pouch. Oh. So I called the auction. They said, oh, no, we can't find it. Uh-huh. I got a call from an Indiana dealer three days later or four days later, whatever it was, and said, oh, we bought this truck at the Pennsylvania auction, and uh-huh. we found your wallet in it. Uh-huh. You know, and it's got $20 U.S. and $20 Canadian and this and that. And I said, well, it's wonderful. Thank you. We're honest, he says. I said, it's wonderful. FedEx it back. I'll pay. They FedEx it back without me paying. Wow. Well, it's nice oh, to nice are, to meet. There them. are some good ones around. There are, yeah, you're right. I I think I sometimes am too negative, but there's some real honest dealers, and unfortunately, just not enough. But I'm so glad to hear about the Canadian operation, and we'll look into that. Tony, check out check th- out the the Omvic O M V I C Omvic. Check well, out their their uh, their website and see what they have to say. They they're the, the regulatory body for cars up there. Spell that again, please. Omvic O M. V-I-C, OMVIC, Ontario Motor Vehicle oh. uh, Board or something or other. Very good. I'll check that out. Tony, please call again. We try so hard to get car dealers to call, and we get maybe once every six months. We love to hear from uh, the honest car dealers or the dishonest. You know, I'd, I'd like an argument with a guy that was trying to explain to me why he charged an $895 inventory fee. I'd, I'd use your line, and I'd uh, love to have him call. Yeah. <laughs> oh no no no! There's the stuff that they try and pull here, you know, and and, and people believe them, you know. I, exactly. I mean, it's incredible to yeah. me. They're so they're so gullible. <clears throat> but then again, you know, you're dealing you're dealing with people who are about payments. Well, you thank know, you, it, it, Tony. Thank you. Thank you very much for the call. Uh, please call again. Okay, not a problem. Yeah, take care of yourself, That's my friend. And, you, and all the very all the very best, you guys. Thank you very much. Take Thanks, care. Tony. Bye bye. Okay, folks, uh, the phone's working, 877-960-9960, and that's 877-960-9960. Our text is 772-497-6530. That's 772-497-6530, and I'm so happy that we had a car dealer call. Tony, Tony from uh, Canada. Really interesting. Ontario. And I think we've got a YouTuber over here, YouTube post. We do. Uh, Tango USA is asking, can I buy a car in a different state and shipping in my state where I live? I guess he's asking, can he buy it from a dealer in another state and have it shipped to him? Sure. A lot of people do that, especially Florida because we have a lot of snowbirds. And the thing you have to be careful of is don't double the sales tax. And all, all states have... I say all, I think 99% of them have reciprocity agreements so that if you pay a sales tax in one state and ship it to the other state, you're not double taxed. So uh, have someone, title clerk, we call them in the car business, that understands titles and sales taxes and just have it uh, temporary tag and you can drive it or you can ship it 
and you only pay sales tax one time. That's right. And then you can also take advantage of um, shipping prices, depending, uh, particularly if you're going north and south. Uh, yeah. In the winter, a lot of northerners migrate down to the south, yeah. and it's cheaper to get uh, transportation going from north to south. And conversely, in the spring, there is a millions of people driving back up north and shipping their cars, and it's cheaper to do that yeah. in the spring. So Exactly. Okay. Because it can run you just uh, you know, over $1,000 uh, in the slower times, but you can get probably you know, four, five, $600. You know, like from Florida to New York or something? Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, we got some more text. Now Rick's got another YouTuber, uh, I think. Oh, yeah, good. Uh, Richard Poplis is asking, Earl, what is the best website for a low-mileage SUV, looking for a low-mileage-used SUV? Well... Auto Trader is the best overall website because of the a large number of vehicles it has. Virtually every car dealer in the USA uses Auto Trader. Uh, with that said, you have to be careful because you're not going to get an honest out the door price on Auto Trader, even if you sort by price, because Auto Trader allows the dealers to add in their hidden fees after the fact and also dealer installed accessories. But you can find um, any vehicle, you can sort by mileage, year, make, uh, uh, price. The price is, is uh, deceptive. You can't really, they'll sort by price, but it's not accurate. But you can sort by equipment and zip code and uh, start doing your research once you get the answer and get the person that you're going to buy, that you want to buy the vehicle from on the phone or do it by email and say, I want an out-the-door price, and that means if I write you out a check now and bring it in to see you, and I like the vehicle that you advertised, I want to be able to give you my check and get in that vehicle and drive it home. That's an out-the-door price. Is there a specific website that's best for finding out what the what price you should pay, like Kelly Blue Book or... Are, are there competition on those? What's the, what's the best one for figuring the actual price of the car? I, I like TrueCar uh, because of the bell curve. Yeah. Uh, Stu, what do you... Uh, well, I was saying on used cars, I don't know how good their information is on uh, with TrueCar. And I was going to say, w- as far as like Edmunds.com and Kelly Blue Book, the best you can say about that puts you in the ballpark. Um, n- no one's really adhering to that. As a matter of fact, like Kelly Blue Book retail value or uh, is, is used a lot by dealers to show, uh, you know, fake discounts. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll highlight it. Sometimes it, the, the, the Kelly Blue Book price is really inflated. Um, there's, there, there's really no substitute from doing comparative shopping. Um, I would suggest maybe giving Carvana a shot. You know, the, the, yeah, Carvana's uh, a good thought. Uh, Carvana buys cars, and uh, you could tell them you had to describe the car you want to no, buy. Well, and, yeah, and sell. They sell. You, yeah. buy them, you buy on Carvana, yeah. deliver to your door. Yeah. Or you could, or you could get the appraisal on your car, which would give you the wholesale. So you could get the retail and the wholesale. Uh, what about this? You know, we we know how to get the price right because we're car dealers, and we use Mannheim online yeah. auction numbers, and it's real time. Today, there are what hundreds of thousands of transactions, uh, probably millions. nationwide. Yeah, I would say and millions. We have a full time. His name is Ted Kabush. He works for us. All he does is buy and sell cars for us. He uh, has computers and, and yeah. display boards. And he goes on. Mannheim is the largest auction, wholesale auction, in the world. Uh, they're almost a monopoly. And every car that's sold is real-time flashed on 
a screen yeah. for a car dealer. Well, I don't want to take anything anything away from Ted, but that's I got it right here. So yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> every time somebody asks me what their cars work, I'm looking at Man- Mannheim transactions. So if you have a relationship with somebody that works in a car dealership, used car department maybe, or they you just say, I'm looking for, and you describe the car you're looking for, and say, would you please tell me the current Mannheim, M-A-N-H-E-I-M, M-A-N-H-E-I-M, Mannheim auction, um, auction price, yeah. wholesale price for that car. Yeah, they call it MMR, that's Mannheim Market Report. Yeah, and then you mark it up by a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars and that's what a car dealer will try to sell it for. Another, another tool that we have that we use and most dealers use, um, it's a, it's, they use computer programs for stocking the vehicles. It recommends which ones to buy and how to price them, and they're called V-Auto. Um, gosh, I can't remember the name of the other one, but uh, for example, V-Auto, it goes out there and literally gets the prices, all the retail prices yeah. of every car in any radius that you specify and gives you an average market price. Um, the downside to that is the same thing that people run into when they go to an auto trader is that that doesn't include any hidden fees. So um, you can mentally subtract the average, say $1,200 yeah. off the retail price, and figure that would be a good price. Yeah. It's, it's inside stuff, and like you say, if you have a contact, make a friend uh, with somebody at a dealership. And if you have a friend at a dealer, V Auto is a great source, uh, Mannheim MMR auction report. and. Uh, that's about it. Mm-hmm. <coughs> we have some anonymous feedback coming in. Good. Says Earl, this is a good one. Wow, this is a good. This is a great day. Earl, I am the GM at one of your competitors. Ah. I have proposed adopting many of your practices to my owner, only to have these dismissed out of hand. He truly believes that there is nothing wrong with many of the things we do, like the dock fees and spotting. He showed me his AT&T bill to point out that fees are a part of life and necessary for profitability. He says only a small minority of abnormal people pay attention and care about these things. Um, I believe most dealers feel this way. That is so wonderful. Thank you so much, general manager. And uh, this, this kind of puts a spotlight on why we have predominantly dishonest, uh, non-transparent, unethical advertising and selling. They don't think they're dishonest. <laughs> well. When everybody does something, okay, let, let's let's go to another industry. Uh, when the airlines started charging for carry-ons, uh, I mean that's ridiculous. For years and years and years, they didn't do it, and then they started charging uh, and charging for the, an extra bag. I'm not really conversant with all the hidden airline charges. I know the rental car companies charge things that they shouldn't charge for. They'll charge you. They'll charge you insurance that you already own in your own homeowners and they make you think that you have to buy it. Uh, when the whole industry predominantly does something that's unreputable, that is unethical, then the competition feels like they have to do it too. And there's truth to that. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say um, to our audience and to the car dealers out there, I understand why you feel like you have to charge these hidden fees. That's because your competition does. So if your competition has $1,000 in hidden fees, and most everybody in South Florida has at least $1,000 in hidden fees, all the car dealers, and they advertise a car 
They can advertise a car for $1,000 less than you can if you don't have any hidden fees. Because when you advertise a car without hidden fees, you have to sell it for the advertised price. When your competition advertises it, he's got $1,000 that he can sneak in and add it back to the price that got you in the door. So it's hard to compete with people like that. Mm-hmm. And people ask, well, Earl, how do you compete? And the general, man- general manager that wrote this, tell your boss, tell the dealer this. What we've done by not having the hidden fees and we don't have the dealer installed accessories that we sneak in either, we have earned the trust of our customers. And they believe that they're gonna get a fair deal. They don't know they're gonna get the lowest price because we don't tell them we guarantee the lowest price. It's impossible to guarantee the lowest price. All we say we guarantee it's an honest price and it's a very low price as far as we're concerned and you're not gonna get taken advantage of. And that's how we're successful. And we probably outsell your dealer uh, that, that you work for, probably, I don't say, because we don't outsell everybody, but no, we probably most do. Of them. We're, yeah, we outsell most car dealers. We're a high volume dealer. So when, when you build a reputation for honesty and transparency, customers buy a lot of cars from you. You don't have to trick them to come in. I just had an epiphany. Yeah. On why dealer fees keep growing. See, if you came into the car business and uh, it was the way it was done, like most, most general managers um, start off selling cars. Would you agree? Oh, sure. And then they get yeah. promoted, they become a sales manager, and yeah. eventually they work their way up. Um, I'm 50, almost 52 years old, and I've been in the business for uh, 23 years now. And back then, the average dealer fee was probably around four hundred dollars. Oh, ours was four ninety-five. Yeah, we actually it might have been a little bit higher because I think we used to brag that we had one of the lower dealer fees in yeah. town. So yeah, that was our that was our big selling point. Uh-huh. <laughs> we don't rip you off as much as everybody else does. And um, so if you come in, you, you're a salesperson, and that was just the way things were done. You didn't question it, you didn't do it, yeah. and then you then you grew everybody through, you grew through your career, and now you're running the dealership. And it's just the way it was. You, you never pause to think, well, why do we do it? It's just, it's, it's just the way it's always been done. Yeah. And then it was just a simple matter of like, well, why don't we just increase this completely legitimate, you know, I put that in air quotes, yeah. charge, yeah. and they grew. And they grew, and not once did they ever look in the mirror and do a little self-examination and think, yeah. is this the right thing to do? And to explain also to those that don't understand this concept, this hidden fee they call dealer fee and multiple other names, this goes straight into the dealer's pocket. The salesman doesn't get a commission on it. Uh, the customer thinks it's a fee. Don't even think of it as being part of the price of the car. So think about it. If you sell uh, you know, 100 cars a month, we'll just use a round number. If you sell 100 cars a month and your dealer fee is $1,000, that's $100,000 net profit. Yep that goes right into your bank account if you're a dealer. You don't have to pay the uh, salesman or the sales manager or anybody on that. That's right. That's right. ka It goes in the dealer's pocket. And in fact, some salespeople will say sarcastically, oh, that's my dealer's retirement fund, or that's right. that that's makes the payment on my dealer's yacht or airplane. Pays and, for the fuel on his jet. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah exactly. So. The reason it goes up, think about this. I mean, it's hard not to go up. You're the dealer. Your lifestyle goes up. 
You got yourself the private plane, you got your yachts, you got your ski lodge in, in Aspen, and now you maybe you want another ski lodge in Vail. So what do you do? You got a thousand dollar dealer fee. You just tweak it a little bit. Eleven hundred dollars. Kaching. That's right. <laughs> Eleven now there's for one hundred dollar increase, you have just one hundred times a hundred, that's ten thousand dollars additional income a month to pay the mortgage payment on the new ski lodge in Vail. What a country. Yeah, what a country. Yeah. Great country. <laughs> it's harder to do in Canada, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> oh, we got some YouTubes over here. Uh, Ernesto is asking, good morning, does washing and vacuuming a trade before you sell it to a dealership truly get you more money? Or is it a trick so the dealership doesn't have to do that part of the prep for resale? <laughs> no, that's a, a very skeptical part. Uh, it helps. It actually helps. Yeah. I tell everybody, I had a woman call me the other day and she had a lot of mechanical repairs she had done. She wants to trade the car in. And uh, she wanted to know if she'd get the car fixed before she trades it. And I said, no, because the dealer can fix your car a lot cheaper than you can. And uh, he might not even catch all the things that are wrong with it. So uh, just get three or four competitive bids on your trade. But I added, get a good detail. Wash it, wax it, uh, interior, exterior. If you had to pay 150 bucks to get a really quality, yeah. top-notch detail, you'll get $1,000 more for the car yeah. because dealers are suckers for okay. clean cars. Not only that, yeah, and they're also human. I mean, yeah. the appraisers, you walk out to a, yeah. you know, a minivan that a mom has and there's yeah. two inches of crushed gold, you know, goldfish crackers on the floor and <laughs> yeah. it's just, it just smells bad and it's messed up. You walk in, you, you get a negative impression. You don't yeah. want to drive the car. Yeah, get it deodorized. <laughs> if, you have, if you're a smoker, uh, you know, just pay to have the, the, the scent removed. Yeah. And then quit and, smoking. Yeah, and quit smoking too. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, clean those trade ins up, and uh, every you, you get ten times what you spend on it in trade in appraisal value, guaranteed. Guaranteed, yeah. yeah. And Tango USA is also asking, uh, why do local Toyota dealerships don't want to give me a price when I call them for an out the door price? Maddening, isn't it? Can you imagine going into Publix and asking them how much a loaf of bread was, and they say, "Are you going to buy today?" Yeah. That depends. And so I go to Win Dixie and bring that price back and I'll beat it. I mean, it's just hard to believe. The dealers won't give you a price because they want to deprive you of your American right to shop and compare. This is the free enterprise system. This is economics 101. You shop and compare prices. I don't buy anything without three bids. I mean, I don't. I, I, I go to Amazon, I'll go to Walmart, I'll go to Target, I can do all this online, Costco. And I can check anything I buy and get three or four prices. But you can't do that with a car dealer. He knows if he gives you the price, you'll shop it and get a better price. Yep. Crazy. Same thing as going to Best Buy. And, and if you bring in an ad from another place, they'll match the price. Yeah. Well, well, that's true. And uh, that's one way to do it. But the Best Buy still gives you the price. Yep. And you, then you should take their price. And give it to you know wherever you want to go, Walmart or Target or whatever. And they'll and they'll ask them if they want to meet the price. It's up to them. Uh, competition is your friend. That's right. Uh, we got a text here. It says uh, Toby. I think he meant Tony. Tony is great. You need to give him a permanent position on the show. Put him in the studio. 
I'd love to have Tony in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so happy. I honestly didn't know that about Canadian dealers. Northwood University uh, used to be a automotive marketing school and uh, right here in West Palm Beach. And for some reason, uh, their main campus is in Michigan. A lot of car dealers uh, go there uh, to learn how to lie, cheat, and steal. I'm only kidding. Northwood University does teach the legitimacy, the legitimate way to market cars, sell cars, so on and so forth. But uh, a lot of Canadians go, go here at this university. And at our dealership, we actually have had them come in for apprentice work and to see a real live dealership. And we were honored that Northwood University considered our dealership ethical and honest. And I even sat on a committee uh, with, uh, this is going to make you laugh, uh, Jim Arrigo, uh, Arrigo uh, Chrysler Jeep Dodge. Jim Arrigo and I would interview the graduates of Northwood University uh, after they graduated in automotive marketing to see if they understood the real world of how to sell cars. But my point being, about half the students there, or a third, were Canadians. And uh, I should have realized maybe they are a little bit more transparent. So we're going to check that out. Next week on the show, we're going to take the name of the dealership that Tony gave us from uh, the Canadian dealer, and we'll check out their advertising. Maybe we can shame some of the American dealers into being transparent like the Canadian dealers. Well, we might find something that he's missing. We might? Yeah, yeah. Okay, here's a question that, uh, gosh, sometimes I wish Alan was with us. Um, how can I, or Rick, Rick will probably know, how can I fix the cracks on my leather seat in my car? The car is about five, it's a five-year-old Camry, um, or can I replace the car seat with a new one, and how expensive would that be? Ooh, repairing leather is actually pretty much impossible because once it's damaged, it's, it's, cause it's, it's not actually real leather in most cases it's it's a synthetic man-made leather mm -hmm. um the best thing really also so far but it really is leather i mean he said it well, was leather yeah. yeah in in some cases it, it is actual leather but even then you really you can't repair cracks in leather once it's yeah. torn or damaged it's pretty much done so a cow doesn't use skin so soft or no but however <laughs> there are products out there that are made for treating leather seats and I would research them to make sure you get yeah. the, the best quality ones. And I, I wouldn't skimp, you, you know, if you've got a car with real leather seats, yeah. I wouldn't skimp on the price of a product to keep it clean and protected. But I would test it a little bit on like a lower bottom section, make sure it's not something that's going to suddenly dry it out or damage it. Uh, check all the reviews, make sure it's good quality. Mm. And other than that, your next step would be replacing that material, which usually you can replace just the section of the yeah. seat that's damaged. Right. Yeah. And, one, and thing, one thing you said, if you're buying a car with leather and they advertise it as having leather seats, um, be sure that it's genuine leather and not simulate leather. Cause, Absolutely. Yeah, real leather costs more. And um, I thought if you advertised leather seats, they had to be leather. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe not. Yeah, uh, there's a, there is a trend in some of the, uh, like even in Toyota, um, they don't call it leather. Like, for example, in the Prius, they call it leather. Softex. Leather-like, yeah. yeah. Le leatherish. Yeah, <laughs> leatherish. Quasi-leather. Well, there's also the uh, kindness toward animal movement yeah. that we have. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, also, for the texture, I had a question of how expensive it would be. Just to give it, put it in perspective, um, a dealer cost is about 
$800 to do completely put a uh, full leather package, front and back seats. Um, yeah, know, do, the door, uh, door insets is about $800. So to do, you could figure uh, maybe $400 to do two front seats, cut that in half, yeah. $200 to do a seat. And like Rick mentioned, you can um, you can do the section. So they'll actually just like to remove the stitching and restitch yeah. in a, a new uh, section. What, uh, if dealer cost is $800 on uh, complete leather seats, what is uh, suggested retail? Depends if you're a Napleton or a Hendrickson dealership. Sorry, okay. <laughs> well, uh, probably retails around a thousand, twelve hundred dollars. Is that all? I mean, they don't market it double or anything like that. No, not double. Okay. Uh, not, not that I'm aware of. So. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, next text. Uh, good morning. Did I hear correctly that Nancy had a total knee replacement? She did uh, several years ago. Uh, she had two of them, and uh, uh, she's doing fine in that category. Uh, her current operation was not actually surgery. It was uh, an injection, a very interesting injection of the platelets of her own blood into the tendon that was torn to regrow the tendon. A uh, sports medicine doctor did it at Cleveland Clinic and it's uh, a lot better than having the surgery and it's kind of cutting edge. Uh, she'll be uh, wearing a boot for about three months and then she'll be good to go. That's great and we wish her well. Yes. Is she sore? Yes. A little sore? A little uh, sore, yeah. I'm sorry, Nancy. All right, we have a uh, question for Rick on our Facebook Live feed at facebook.com forward slash Earl on Cars. That's uh, from William. He says, a question for you, Rick. I am about to buy a 2020 Highlander Limited Platinum. Yesterday, I heard that I can't get the factory tow hitch on the Platinum because it interferes with the sensors in the bumper. Is this true? If yes, is Toyota working on a fix? Should I wait? Uh, I don't know if Toyota's actually got a fix that they're in process right now. I'm sure they will. Uh, I would definitely avoid any aftermarket products simply because you didn't want, you know, the, the outside companies are not going to care whether it interferes with your sensors. And, yeah, that can be a definite problem. Uh, such things as, like, the back hatch that opens by kicking your foot underneath it aftermarket tow hitch will make that completely inoperative so it's something to be watchful for on a lot of these newer cars or something they really dropped the ball on my in my opinion yeah. uh, to do that I uh, just while I'm thinking about that I read an article just the other day about why insurance costs were going up so much in cars and uh, the bumper was used as an example with all the sensing devices we have around a car now when you're replacing a fender or a bumper, you're not just replacing the fender or bumper, you're replacing electronics and computers. And a bumper uh, used to be, uh, to replace a bumper would be, what, uh, $300, $500, maybe 1000 and now you're probably talking twice that yeah. with the sensors and detectors that they have. Not to mention that once some of those sensors have been replaced, then they've got to be specially calibrated, like mm -hmm. the blind spot monitor, yeah. Yeah. you know, a system that you love, that has to be specially calibrated with targets. <laughs> Something that you desperately to make sure need. that it that it's reading properly, yeah. so it's detecting the cars at the right location. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, you, you need to you double check your insurance costs if you're buying a new car, and if you've got a five or six year old car, you won't have anywhere near the number of sensing devices on that car that the new one will. So check with your insurance company. Uh, just so you're not unpleasantly surprised. Mm -hmm. But it costs a whole lot more to fix a car that's loaded up the way these two cars are today. It's unbelievable. It's great. We love it. 
because it makes it safer and it's just fun. And how much? I wonder if that you know, the cost of repairs is offsetting the you know the discounts you'd expect to get on premiums for the sa- safety. Good point. It's like are we just kind of like you know playing catch up? You know, is it really helping? Well, you know, it's almost two categories. You've got the collision uh, cost of repair, and they probably calculate the pr- the uh, that premium. And then you have the liability, which comes with uh, injury, right, and things like that. And also, the the um, you know the, the accident avoidance. I mean, you're less yeah. likely to get to an accident. Exactly. Now. So that's I hadn't thought about that. I think. Uh, a smart insurance company should factor that in, I would think. Yeah. But if they all start raising prices at the same time. So that leads me full circle to and Alan Napier, who is yeah, our collision guy. we got to just force him to come back on the show now. Y- yeah, exactly. Every three or four <laughs> years or two or three years, shop your insurance premium cost. I guarantee you it will be lower. Shop and compare. I don't care if you love your insurance company. With your Geico well, why, State Farm, why would Farm? you? Huh? Why? Because they have nice songs. Oh yeah, well yeah, they do. I we mean, Geico. Farmers. I love that little dun, dun, lizard. Dun, 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 dun. I love the little lizard, and I like the good neighbors, and I like to be in safe hands. But they try to screw you on your premium, mm-hmm. so you have to go out and shop and compare premium every three or four years. We, I, I'm just going to coin a term: premium creep. Uh, premium creep. Yeah. Okay. They, they catch like you sleeping. Like um, we have a texture from Toronto, Canada. Ah. Uh, not Tony, it's uh, John, and he says uh, he just passed along some information. He just purchased a 2020 Tundra Crew Max TRD Sport Premium. That's a nice, nice truck, mm-hmm. very expensive, hard to get. Paid $56,200 out the door up here in Toronto. Your show is great. Take care, John. I said, that's great. What was MSRP? He said, MSRP was $54,970. That's, by the way, just put in perspective, that is great. It's probably close to $2,000 cheaper than we are out the door on the same vehicle. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a testament to, well, lower cost probably for the Canadian dealer and lower fees. Well, we don't have fees, so mm-hmm. it's still uh, a better deal up there. So, folks, don't buy from Earl Store Toyota. Go to Toronto. Well, let me tell you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, we see, I keep forgetting, you know, YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and all that. We've got a lot of people. If you're on the Canadian border, you know, if you're in uh, uh, Michigan, for example, uh, Shop and compare the prices over there. By the way, they are doing kilometer and mile per hour uh, switchovers of the newer cars, so you don't have to have a car with uh, kilometers per hour kind of a thing. You'll be able to use miles per hour if you're in America. And shop and compare the price over there. I don't know the the um, tariffs uh, to use a... Is there a duty on a car if you buy it in Canada and drive it in the U.S.? I don't know. I got to check the USMC agreement to find out what's going on. Find there. out what's going on there, yeah. but uh, it sounds to me like that you've got an advantage on the uh, buying the car price-wise, and you have an advantage. If Tony's correct, on honesty and transparency, you don't have the dealer fees added on. You don't have the dealer accessories. They don't flimflam you. Pleasant buying experience. So if you can drive 50 miles over and 50 miles back. From America to Canada, save yourself some money. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah that sounds un-American, doesn't it? Not uh, to mention, you can get coffee from Tim Hortons up there. So, hey, come on. Okay. <laughs> Tell you, when I was in Canada driving around with kilometers on the speedometer, it really freaked me out. Yeah, I know. I yeah. did not like it. No, I don't. Especially I driving around the mountains. I think I'm, I was going faster than I was. 100 kilometers yet. an hour. <laughs> right. uh, we got a text from Omar. It says, Earl, I am glad you showed up on my feed. And then he has a, the crying... 
emoji, like mm-hmm. sad emoji. I just purchased a car from a BHPH, uh, which I interpret to mean a buy here, pay here, uh, for a total of $6,000 down, uh, f- uh, 4,500 being finance. Uh, this is where he tells me two, uh, two and a half percent interest rate per month, um, which I have no idea what that means. Two and a half percent per month. I think he meant 25 percent. Oh no, no, two and a half interest rate per month. I, I'm, we, we'll have to like digest this a little bit more. I'm not quite sure what, well, what it's it means. Po- it's possible. Instead of compounded compounding annually, it could be uh, monthly compounded interest. Uh, well, I, I was just going to say, if it's two and a half, two percent a month would be twenty-four percent a year. Yeah, that's probably what they did. Yeah, it makes yeah. sound good. That's yeah. pretty clever. Yeah, you hear that? Buy here, pay here is yeah. <laughs> a new tactic. Yeah, buy here, pay here. Uh, for you folks that don't know is uh, a la- last resort when you uh, your credit is such where you have no credit and you have to buy from someone that will finance the car himself. When you buy a car from a car dealer. Uh, they say they're financing the car for you, but they're really selling the installment sales contract to a bank or uh, a captive, uh, maybe if it's a Honda Finance or a General Motors Finance, or it could be Wells Fargo Bank or Bank America. They sell the paper, so they don't take the payments from you. The bank takes the payments from you. Buy here, pay here. They actually bank it and they actually take the payments. So the risk is with them, and what they typically do is just mark the car up a huge amount of money, and they also charge you a huge amount of interest, and they say, we have to do it because otherwise we have so many cars we have to repossess, and our cost of repossessions are so high, we have to make a lot of money up front. And there's some truth to that. And there is a reason for their existence, but there's also a reason for not buying from these people unless you absolutely have to. Always check with your conventional financing, your bank, your credit union, and use a buy here, pay here as the last resort because we know you need a car, you need a car. And if that's the only way you're going to get it, and when you buy from a buy here, pay here, ask them if they're reporting to the credit bureau because if you have bad credit, and they report to the credit bureau, and you make your payments on time, no matter how painful they may be and how high they may be, if you make them promptly, you just elevated your credit score. And now, maybe next time, you can go to a bank and get a much better interest rate. And if you don't make the payment, they might disable your vehicle. They can do that. They'll put a switch in there that uh, will actually stop your car dead in its tracks so they can go take it back. Well, I think it waits you to stop or turn off the car oh those are the nice dealers yeah, they, they wait for it to stop they won't do that's it like good, yeah. they won't do it on the turnpike that's good um nathan texas says i have a question about a used car uh, let's say a 2017 toyota F- limited fully loaded dealer wants 39,995. what can i do if i want to pay thirty-five thousand dollars cash hope to hear your answer thanks so much well i'll let you check the price on this too i will say this don't ever tell the dealer that you're going to pay cash. That is something that is kind of counterintuitive because on just about anything else, you know, cash will get you a better deal. You buy a house and you pay cash today, boy, that price of the house comes way down. Um, nobody likes to wait for their money. Uh, nobody wants to negotiate, argue. So you whip out the cash. Any product except a car gets cheaper. The reason the car doesn't get cheaper is because the car dealers make much more money when they finance the car for you 
than when they sell you the car. Typical profit, uh, gross profit on a new car might be uh, $1,200, $1,400. Typical profit on a, on a financing car will be closer to $2,000. So therefore, you say, I'm probably going to finance the car, I'm not sure. Or just tell them, just lie to them, I'm going to finance the car. Because that salesperson, that sales manager mentally says, I got a shot at him for a $2,000 profit. So if he's negotiating me down from what I want to make, which is 1200 to 800 I'll let that slide because I'm going to pop it to him in the finance office and make my two grand. Don't take away that possibility from him because then it'll make him tighter, harder to negotiate a low price of the car. Yeah, and without more information, it's hard for me to tell you if that price was good. It seems incredibly high, though, to me. Uh, $39,995 for a uh, 2017 t- uh, Tacoma TRD. That seems, uh, unless it has five miles on it. Which Here's what you can do uh, is go to our website, earlstewarttoyota.com, and you can see some cars like that, maybe yeah. not the same one, and we have... Uh, on our website, we're the only dealer that puts the Alphador price. That's the price that you write the check for and give it to the dealer. The real price for the car. No hidden fees, no dealer installed accessories. And you can take our price on a new or used car, take it to another dealer and say, here's Earl Stewart's price in writing, print it out right from his computer, his website, and I can get this car for this price write him out a check if you'll beat it i'll buy the car from you or if you meet it i'll buy the car from you this is not an advertisement I, we do have a trd tacoma sport 2017 um and it's under thirty thousand out the door so yeah, yeah there you shop are around so take our price and uh take it to the dealer you'd prefer to do business with uh and see if he'll meet it or beat it if you, if you won't meet it buy it from us all right. Uh, Jack in California says, what happened to Isuzu? Why did they fail in the U.S.? I used to see a lot of the SUVs in the 90s. You know, there's too many manufacturers, even Japanese, and uh, they're falling out. Uh, you're going to see a lot more fallout. Uh, anybody that's marginal today, Nissan, uh, could be gone in a year. Uh, there's a name that's been around a long time. Started. Mitsubishi. Mitsubishi. Yeah. That's uh, even more likely to go down. And Isuzu is just one of the ones. I love their old commercials. Was it Joe Isuzu? Yeah, the liar. Yeah, yeah. the liar. Yeah. I thought it was so innovative and creative. Love their advertising. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's going to be a huge consolidation in all of auto manufacturers. Yeah. Uh, you got any text over there? I don't want to monopolize. Okay, no. good. Because I have an anonymous feedback. And, and you're going to like this. You need to ponder this because I agree a thousand percent with this person. Uh, Earl, you need to write another book or at least do a modern revision of the current one. Mm-hmm. A lot of the info um, is out of date. Yes. The car business has changed so much in the last decade. Yes. What are you waiting for? Oh, I feel so guilty. You know, that's the reason I love Anonymous because that is, they, that hits me right in the gut. He's right. And my book is uh, too old. Yeah. Things have changed. And to give Stu his credit, he's been telling me. He's even I offered to rewrite the book for me. Yeah. And I should, and I, and you just motivated me to move on that. Yeah, I mean, think of all the things that did have has happened since exactly. you've written the book: yeah. Yeah. online retailing yeah. and fake online de- retailing. Uh, 
the, well, change, make the, that, the change in the name of the fees? I'm adding that to my New Year's resolutions. You're going to do it this year? And I'm going to ask you, Rick, you and Stu, and Jonathan, get on me about that. Okay. And i got to get the wheels in motion. What should I name the book? Uh, part two? Confessions. Well, I love confessions mm, of Ricard. More confessions. More confessions, yeah. More confessions. Okay. I'll think about it. Yeah. We can get creative with it. Yeah, well, well you folks out there in Radio Land, what should I name my next book? <laughs> Our, uh, the original one we were coming up with ideas for the title, I, I was really pushing Screwed, remember? Yeah. And yeah. then uh, we, we end up going with, with Confessions. Yeah. And Donald's feedback, he'll have fun with this. I'm asking everybody, what should I name, name my book? I can already think of some really neat things to say anonymously. Right. <laughs> you got a dirty mind. <laughs> no, I'm just... <laughs> Okay. All right, well, that's the show, folks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm all caught up with, uh, with text right now. You know, I had something that I wanted to talk about, and uh, um, hmm. it's a tip. Yeah. Can, I, can I throw one quick thing sure. just while we were on the subject sure, of sure. the book? Folks, Earl will also make sure that with his new book, all the proceeds again will go to Big Dog Ranch Rescue. Yeah, I keep forgetting to mention Because that's, that's something that everybody should yeah. know. When you buy his book for $20 right now, $20, every single penny of it, goes to Big Dog Ranch Rescue. There it is, Big Dog Ranch Rescue. Um, What would you call it there? They they raise so much money, this probably isn't a huge amount, but it's very helpful. And you can buy it on Amazon.com. And uh, what can I say? Uh, You get a great book that helps you buy a car without being ripped off, and you help save a dog's life. And we save about 5,000 dogs a year. There's a lot of dogs. That is a lot of and dogs. And Mark Ryan, who is a college professor in Iowa, says, I use Earl's book in my personal finance course. I'm very willing to write a forward or recommendation for the new book. Wow. He's one of our every week YouTube. Absolutely. Now I'm committed. I will, I'm going to promise everybody I'm going to update the book. And, uh, and and it'll be done uh, this year. And we're going to go to Mark in Palm Beach Gardens. Hello, Mark. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Earl, Stu, and Rick. Hey. Hi. I'm um, sad, to, sad to hear that uh, Nancy's not there, but I hear she's doing well. Hey, uh, my 2017 Camry XLE, we're uh, in July, I think we're running out of our factory warranty. And, uh, you know, you get offers and offers for extended warranties. And being as I do all my business with your shop or store, I was just wondering, um, what do you guys recommend as a particular um, warranty company? You know, the ones that you have the least hassles with with collecting your money and best, um, you know, the best service for the customer, best quality package. I was just wondering uh, if you have some suggestions for me. Well, Mark, uh, the uh, our warranty company is owned by us, and uh, we are the uh, insurers, and we make the payments, and we we do the re- you know when there's a claim, we pay the claims. Uh, with that said, it is a profitable company, and uh, I say to people when they buy extended warranties, and I say to myself when I buy a extended warranty on a product. When I buy a product, I ask myself this question. The warranty that I'm buying, is it going to reimburse me if I have a problem with this product for something that if I had to pay out of my pocket, 
would be painful. Uh, I look at extended warranties, just like an insurance policy. It is truly an insurance policy, uh, just like I do when I have insurance on my home. I have fire insurance on my home because if my home burned down, uh, it would be extremely painful for me to have to build another home and pay for it. Uh, that's that's a question because all insurance companies make money. All extended warranty companies make money, including mine. Uh, mine, I would take if you looked at the insurance products that I have, extended warranties. I'd say read the policy, read the exclusions and the inclusions, and look at the cost of repairs. Look at your financial situation, and do you want to pay twelve hundred dollars or two thousand dollars, whatever the price may be, for the warranty you want? Uh, for the peace of mind to sleep better at night knowing that you won't be out of pocket if the car breaks. With that said, you have a good product. You have a 2017 Camry. Uh, they're good products. They're highly reliable. Uh, if I were buying a Mitsubishi, I'd probably think more about buying an extended warranty. Or a Jeep, I would definitely buy an extended warranty. But if you have a Honda or a Toyota or a high-quality product, I would really think twice before I bought an extended warranty. You have to bank it yourself because no cars are perfect. And if for two years from now uh, your 2017 Camry has a problem and you have to pay for it, it's painful. But you would have written a check two years earlier for $2,000 and maybe not even had to use that warranty. Rick has a point. Oh, so you mean that, uh, you know, possibly two years from now, if you pay for said repair, that uh, you may have less of an out-of-pocket of $2,000. Yes, yeah. yeah, because oh, in, in total, I said my warranty company makes money. That means I pay out less in claims uh, than I take it in premiums. And every warranty company does that. So you're betting against the house. The reason Warren Buffett is the second or third richest man in the world is because of his insurance companies. And he'll tell you himself, there's nothing like an insurance company. You take all the premiums that you get, and you take that and you invest them, and the tax laws are such that they protect you from having to pay taxes when the premiums come in. So you can take a million dollars of premiums in, and you're an insurance company, and you pay zero taxes. And the next year, you pay zero taxes. And the next year, you might pay a little tax. And the taxes are only paid as the insurance premiums earn out, meaning they expire. And it's a wonderful situation for owners of insurance companies. So you're betting against the house. Uh, I would, if it were me, I wouldn't buy the extended warranty. The only thing I would recommend on it is if you're looking for extended warranties, I would avoid anything that is simply powertrain. Yes. Because most new cars nowadays, the newer cars. For as much as possible. Yeah, the, yeah. the powertrains just don't break. The engine, the transmission, there's very few failures there. The biggest failures that I see as a technician are air conditioning, uh, alternators, it's the, the accessory type items, door lock actuators, window motors, regulators, is things that a lot of those lower-grade uh, warranties don't Sun, cover. Sunroofs, moonroofs. Exactly. Those are, and yet those are the things they don't cover, but those can be hundreds and thousands of dollars to navigation, repair. Navigation systems. Again, excellent, because navigation, the radio screen, that you know, when you see a car that has that radio with the TV screen to it, 
you, you're expecting at least twelve to fifteen hundred dollars minimum if that screen were to go out and could be as much as two to three thousand dollars just mark, for the part. When you're reading the warranty, Mark, always look to see what is not covered. They'll always tell you what's covered, but you have to ask what's not covered, and that's where they get you. That's where they make their money. Well, you guys uh, elaborated much more than I expected. No wonder why you guys' uh, ratings are so good. And, Stu, I agree. It's time to force Alan back onto the show. Oh, good. I, so, I just need a little right, ammunition. You guys have a wonderful day, and Earl, I'll see you on IFC. Sounds good, Mark. Yeah, Thanks very much. <laughs> I hope Alan's listening right International now. International Sunrise Club. Yeah, I hope Alan's listening. Yes, yeah, absolutely. The pressure, 2020, the pressure's back on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Rick can be a little loquacious, can't he? We all can. <laughs> Uh, we have some more texts coming. Eh, these are great. Uh, we have some suggestions for the title of your of your book. Oh. Uh, first one says, "How about Shafted?" <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, how about uh, sh- uh, never mind. That's Shivd or never mind. Yeah. Uh, here's a few uh, confessions of a recovering car dealer. The journey continues. That's mm. nice. I like that. Mm-hmm. Recovered reflections as of a consumer champion. Well, you know uh, the. It, it, you never recover. I mean, I, I have to tell you this, because I was so good at screwing the people back in the day, in sixties and seventies. It's going to take a long time. <laughs> yeah, and I have to tell you that every now and then, evil thought floats through my mind, and I'm just like a, a heroin addict or an alcoholic. Uh, once you've been there and done that and felt the exhilaration. Uh, run. I, I ran an ad one time on a Pontiac Grand Prix, uh, and all I had was new Grand Prix, and the price was $5,995. How long ago was that? And the Grand Prix I was advertising in the paper, big full-page ad, had a stick shift. Back then, you didn't have much standard equipment. No air conditioning, no tinted glass. No white sidewall tires. That doesn't sound like a big deal today, but back then they all had yeah. white sidewalls, and not nothing. The car had a, a heater maybe for five thousand nine hundred ninety-five, and the people would flock in, and I would take them to the car and say, "There it is," and they'd say, "It doesn't have air conditioning." No, but I've got one right here with air conditioning. For only twelve nine ninety-five. And they say. Well, it's a no tenant class. Well, here's another one, air conditioning engine. And that's the way I sold cars. Terrible. I look back on it, and I feel... I feel... Guilty? I hate, <laughs> I hate myself when I do it. But I think about it, and though I, I could go on and on. Maybe that'll be part of my book. I'll do more and more yeah. about... Did you mention the, the door? Yeah, yeah, did you mention the... I think it was a, the Corolla that you painted? Oh, the Corolla. I ran a Corolla for $2,695, a new Toyota Corolla for $2,695, and we called it the Earl Stewart Toyota Limited Edition Special. That's probably the Lake Park Toyota. Although Stewart's Lake Park Toyota at the yeah. time. So I took the Corolla, and I took it to the body shop, and I had them paint on both sides of the car, from the rear bumper to the front bumper, right across the whole car. Stewart's Lake Park Toyota limited edition special on both sides of the car. And I put it on the showroom floor. And I advertised that car 
for $2,695. So when they came in on the ad, which is like $1,000 or $2,000 less than anybody else could sell you the car, I'd say, here's the car. And they say, oh, I like that car. Uh, where's the one without the sign on it? Weren't they all well, yellow? Well, that is the car. If you buy the car, you have to have the sign on it. Weren't they all yellow, too? Something they like might that. have been. I don't remember. <laughs> and then you had to keep painting them. People were asking for them. Yeah, well, yeah they, were, they, were so <laughs> <laughs> they were so cheap. <laughs> and then I got into a big, big fight with a professor from Florida Atlantic University. They came up, and, and he was really angry with me. I was, he called uh, the county office of consumer affairs and really got me in trouble. But I was delivering what I advertised. That's true. I did. So, Anyway... I wrestled with myself and the way I did it. I cannot say I'm recovered because if I don't do this show, if I don't write my blogs, if I don't do what I'm doing, I'm afraid I'll fall You'll back. Revert. I'll revert. Yeah. You'll relapse. Yeah, it happens <laughs> after all these years. All right, how about this one? Yeah, cars, dogs, and sunrises. My journey, journey as a recovering car dealer. I like that. That's nice. Cars, dogs, and sunrises. Wow. Yeah. That's a very creative person. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, we have a question. Why do car salesmen force you to wait to meet his manager before letting you go home? I think it's part of the psychological uh, strategy. I think it's, uh, it's control. Uh, you know, people, it's a, it's a prestige thing. Uh, the, the big shot is the last person to come to the meeting. Uh, you know, you want to establish uh, a feeling of authority for the manager. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a, it's a it's a head game. It's also a um, they take a last stab at you. Uh, they, they, usually the managers will almost always have a lot more experience than the salesperson. Yes. They might ask the question the salesperson failed to answer, or it could just be a, a pressure tactic yeah. where they just sit down and they go, "I don't understand why you're not buying today," and and have another go at the negotiation. Yeah, and they're good. And uh, today's modern sales manager and salesman, it's not like the old day with a. You know the gold teeth and the checkered jacket and yes. the white shoes that doesn't happen anymore they're dressed very nicely they're a lot of young and they they look like your nephew or your grandson yeah. and they got a great smile very white teeth and and they speak well and they have empathy and i mean you're, you know, you're they're really good you're picturing our old gs uh, general sales manager terry chapin <laughs> right. so he said the white teeth yeah. right. beautiful but beautiful they're teeth. very good i tell you right now you will like your salespeople at most car dealerships. When yeah. you come into a car dealer, in five minutes, you're going to like that guy or gal. Yeah. And uh, that's they hire people that are very likable and can uh, transmit empathy and things like that. Yeah, and, uh, and forcing you to wait is not a good thing. I don't no. think it's a bad thing to meet, meet the person. Yeah, I mean, because sometimes school. a salesperson could be an experience and not mention something important to you. So that's, yeah. that's a, there's a real reason for it. Okay. Well, we got a couple of comments on uh, YouTube right now. What? Cricketer Den says, every time I talk to a car salesman, it reminds me of an expression we used to use. If you can't impress them with your brilliance, baffle them with your BS. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And they're good. They're really good. They can look at the eye, and they can tell you an untruth, and uh, you believe them because they're so likable. I mean, that is the essence of a salesperson's likability. And frankly, we talk about it in our business. Even though we like to think we're honest and transparent, if you have a completely honest ethical business and you have a salesperson that doesn't have the charisma and the smile and the likability, he's not going to sell a product. I mean, 
Salesmanship is salesmanship. And today in the 21st century, you still can't beat likability. That's right. Takes you, it gets you a long way. Waitresses, waiters, you know, any place you do business, you know. Sure. Uh, one of the reasons I love Costco is everybody in Costco is just so nice and likable. My dermatologist. Yes. Dr. Kowalczyk. Yeah. Love him. Love him. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know it, if he's any good, but you know what they call you see. know what they call a doctor that graduates last in his med school class? Can, can I answer this one? Yes. Doctor. That's right. <laughs> so if your doctor's likable, ask him what, what his position was Earl, in his graduating class. Earl's been telling me that joke since I was four years but old. It's funny, isn't it? <laughs> yes. That's true. It's funny. Well, Silver Hunter's also asking, why is it so hard to find a used Tacoma for an affordable price? I can't answer that. I, I can only say that uh, um, if you shop and compare, um, you get the lowest price. It's the lowest out-the-door price, and by definition, that is a good price. Uh, car dealers are going to compete against each other to earn your business. If you're smart and tough and shop and compare, and the car dealer that offers you the lowest price, out-the-door, uh, I can't overemphasize out the door. If you get tricked and they give you a, a price that's low that really isn't a price and they add the dealer install accessories and the hidden fees, then they, they, they took advantage of you. Lowest out the door price is a good price. Mm -hmm. Anne-Marie. Hey, Anne-Marie. She has a suggestion for the book title. Uh, how about going to the dogs? Further adventures <laughs> of a recovering car dealer. <laughs> well, we've got some creative people out yeah. there. Yeah, we do. Are you writing these down? Oh, they're on my computer screen. Okay, let's keep those. We'll, we'll go through and uh, come up with a good title. And Donovan Lewis, he's got a, a shout-out here that sounds worthwhile. Uh, found my dream car, a 2002 Porsche 911. It was on the west coast of Florida. The dealer worked out the deal 100% over the phone, went above and beyond, removed their dealer fee, and was amazing. Wow. Why can't more dealers be like this? Why do they have to make the experience horrid? He says, everything was perfect, the best experience I have ever had. And he says, the dealer was Crown Volvo in St. Petersburg, Florida. Wow. You know, I know uh, the original owner of the Crown Auto Group. His name is Dwayne Hawkins. I don't even know, oh, yeah. I know Dwayne. if he's still with us, but uh, Dwayne was quite a guy. Um, uh, regard to what happened there... I'm not taking anything away from Crown, but I'm saying this. Another reason to deal online, uh, they were on the other coast. Uh, this dealership on the west coast, you're on the east coast, knew he had one shot at you. And he knows there's a lot of 2002 Porsches that you could have bought. Maybe not, not that many 2002 911s, but he knows that he's going to have to be real honest and nice and competitive to get you to drive all the way from the East Coast to the West Coast of Florida. And another good reason to shop online, and actually an incentive to shop far away online. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're in North Palm Beach and you're talking to a dealer in Tampa, he's got to motivate the heck out of you to drive to Tampa and buy that car. So you just want to be sure you nail it down and you get the exact out-the-door price and you tell them, say, I'm driving to Tampa, and this is the out-the-door price. I got the check in my hand. God help you if I come over there and you try to jack me around with dealer-installed accessories and hidden fees. Make it clear, 
And you drive over there, you get yourself a heck of a deal. And Donovan says also, I was driving a long way. They had the car waiting for me, all the paperwork ready. Didn't have to sit around all day or have the salespeople lie to me about the car and possible issues. So apparently, Crown Volvo in St. Petersburg, Florida. Crown Volvo. They did Donovan right. I got a question. He said that they he, he took off the dealer fee? Yeah. Yeah. He says they removed their dealer fee from yeah. I'm on their website right now, and I'm just looking at new Volvos, and nowhere on their listing do they even mention their dealer fee. Well, that's, oh. that's pretty sneaky. Pretty yeah. sneaky. Yeah. Not, I'm, I'm like, there's no disclosure. There's nothing. Yeah. That's illegal. Hmm. But uh, once again, assuming they have the dealer fee and they took it off, that's they nice probably would have never done that if you'd been next door and, uh, or if you'd have walked into the showroom. That's right. They would have hoped you didn't see it. and socked it to you that's right okay linda on facebook says make the new book with larger print please huh you know what i gotta do also i'm you know about the book i gotta do an audio book yeah yeah and i'm on kindle i'm on uh, ibooks yeah. mm -hmm. uh, but you're absolutely right i should do bigger print if you do i if you do an uh, ebook by the way you can make the print bigger just with your uh exactly yeah mm -hmm. but i should do a bigger print book i agree um, All right, shall we get to the Mr. Shopping Report? Just some quick ones real, real quick. Yeah. We have um, Doug, Doug says, good morning, meow. And I think that's from, <laughs> I think he's, he's passing along his greetings from Ollie, the cat. Uh, Linda replied, woof, woof. So we have a whole yeah. pet thing going on <laughs> online right now. And uh, let's see, okay. Steve I'll, give, said, I'll give a plug to my International Sunrise Club, uh, alluded to a few times. Every morning at sunrise, sunrise is at 7.09 a.m., at 7.09 a.m., uh, Nancy Stewart, also known as Mrs. Sunrise, and my moniker is Mr. Sunrise, every morning we're on the beach and we video on Facebook the sunrise. And it's quite a nice thing. We have people from all over the world, and we have a, a cadre of comments, and we all kind of know each other. We invite all people. You can go to facebook.com forward slash Earl Stew. I don't know why I did that from my Facebook, E-A-R-L-S-T-E-W, Facebook.com, Earl Stew, and you can see the sunrise every morning. That's right. You, do, you, you post it publicly, so you don't, you don't even have to be a friend. Exactly. And uh, we have members in Australia, uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil, Bali. Canada, uh, yeah, Bali, mm -hmm. uh, Egypt. We're a worldwide sunrise club. I wonder and, what time of day the Egyptians are looking at the sunrise. I don't know. I asked that usually. It's a little bit later there. Yeah. Uh, they'd be about uh, six hours later than us. Okay. There you go. Mystery Shopping Report. Wallace Mazda of Stewart, and we did another Takata test. Uh, my apologies to folks out there that think we're doing too much Takata stuff, but as Stu said earlier in the show, there's been a huge tidal wave of new Takata recalls. And it's getting scarier and scarier. The Wallace Auto Group has done better than most car dealers when it comes to selling used cars with Takata airbag recalls. It was a Wallace buy here, pay here lot, easy pay car, easy pay car, that had the honor of being the first to pass the Takata test with an A grade. It was so good because this salesperson refused to sell the car until they fixed the uh, Takata airbag. Never been done before. Never been done since. This is not to say the Wallace dealerships have all been perfect, 
most of the half dozen or so Waltzminster shops have resulted in average to above average passing grades. Keep in mind, we grade on a curve at Earl Stewart Cars. A curve means that the uh, dealer that didn't really do all things right kind of floundered around a little bit. If it was the best dealer that we talked to, uh, they get an A. And uh, if we held them to an absolute series of standards, then we would have nobody to buy a car to from. And so we, that wouldn't make sense. So we grade on the curve. We had one Wallace store fall completely, <coughs> fail completely, Wallace Hyundai back in 2018. We see a lot of inconsistencies when we investigate a larger dealer group, whether we're looking at the cottery columns or sales practices. The more locations the dealer has, the more difficult it is to manage the behavior of his or her managers and other employees. And I can speak to that personally because when I was uh, younger, I had multiple dealerships and it was impossible for me. Of course, I didn't even want to be honest back then, but had I wanted to be honest, it would have been impossible for me to police. Well, it was also harder to be consistently evil. Exactly. Right. Some of the, some of the locations didn't quite rise to the level of evil it, you expected. Exactly. Exactly. So I can, I can identify with Wallace because he's got a lot of dealerships. Uh, we can see a lot of inconsistencies. Oh, yeah, blah, blah. This problem should not be allowed as an excuse. No. For car dealers, though. It may be harder to maintain consistent customer experience with multiple locations, but it isn't impossible. Just look at Starbucks or Costco. And I threw in their CarMax. Yeah. I mean, CarMax is high on our curve recommended used car dealership. Uh, they have a relatively small dealer fee. Uh, they don't sneak in dealer installed accessories. They don't lie, cheat, or steal, and they're transparent. Uh, if they can do it, and they have hundreds of locations around the country, anybody can do it. When it comes to Takata recalls, however, the stakes are much higher than serving perfect, I'm talking about Starbucks, uh, perfect caramel macchiato. Macchiatos. Macchiato or exquisitely roasted rotisserie chicken. Many of those chickens. I was hungry when I, when I typed this up. I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm salivating now thinking about the Costco chickens. Uh, Costco does an amazing job. Uh, lives are at stake with the Kata airbag and other dangerous recalls. It should be incumbent, incumbent upon all car dealers to raise the consciousness of their employees and treat the management of their safety crisis with the care, attention, and gravity it requires. You're talking life and death, man. I mean, how can you not talk to your sales staff about what happens when you sell a car with a dangerous recall that the customer doesn't even know about? Or maybe it can't even be fixed. Every location or every dealer group should have one consistent policy for how to handle used cars with Takata or any dangerous recall. Ideally, this policy should be a complete stop sale on unfixed Takata vehicles. Should not be able to sell a car if it's not fixed. It's just so simple. Takata vehicle, but if this is too radical for them, then full robust disclosure should be the only other kind of alternative. They say now, well, we're disclosing it. But no. No, no, d d just pointing at a car yeah, fax report yeah, is, yeah. Not, is not And fine enough. print, even fine print. Uh, disclosure is getting in the face of your buyer and saying, this car can kill you. I have to fix it, and I will fix it, but I can't deliver the car to you because it has a dangerous recall. That's full disclosure. It should be big, yeah. bold, and red. You, know, you have to scare the customer. 
And dealers don't want to do that. They want to sell the customer. As big as the advertised price. Exactly. These Dakota policies should be hammered into the minds of all employees who deal with used cars. I mean, the used car manager, the general manager, the sales manager, the salesman. Anyway, dealers must also inspect what they expect by auditing their inventories, analyzing their sales, and mystery shopping themselves. You know, when we first started this policy, we had to be careful. We've been doing it. We've been selling cars with recalls, not on purpose and not consciously, but because we didn't have the dedication. We didn't think about it. We didn't think about it. So what was it, five years ago? How long has it been? We started in 2016, so um, yeah, four years ago. Four years ago. When we started this, we had a few cars slipping through the cracks. Well, no, after we stopped, yeah. yeah. After we stopped, I think we had two that slipped through. Yeah. You have to be careful. You have to be careful because a busy dealership trades on a lot of cars, and sometimes a car will get traded in. They want to sell two hours later. I mean, a fresh trade-in, a desirable car, it can be sold before you have a chance to even wash it. Mm -hmm. So you have to have strict controls if you're going to protect your customers. Uh, Dealers must also, or there we go, and mystery shop themselves. I get uh, criticized all the time for the mystery shopping reports that we do the competition. A lot of people don't know we mystery shop ourselves two or three times every week. Mm-hmm. We only mystery shop the dealers in South Florida once a week. You know, once a week, and that's not the same dealer. We we shop ourselves two or three times a yep. week. A dozen times a month. Yeah, a dozen times a month to keep ourselves honest. You have 170 employees and you have 30 salespeople and you hire new people every day. People retire, people quit, people get fired. It's a, it's a cauldron of personnel coming in to car dealerships. You gotta be on top of it. And we pay um, for a perfect uh, mystery shop, we pay them 500 bucks. 500 bucks if they do the right thing yep. by our customers. And that's more than their normal commission. Exactly. Mystery shopping reports. You dealers out there, Tony, you know, all you dealers out there, mystery shop your own car dealership. You might be a sterling guy with all the integrity and honesty that you could possibly desire. But the people down the, down the ladder, the people in the trenches that are actually selling these cars, you might have a rotten apple. In fact, I guarantee you, you have a rotten apple. We have a rotten apple. Yeah. I just don't know which apple's rotten. And that's the reason we're we gonna, got a shopping. We're gonna keep biting all those apples. Yeah, happens. That's the real world. <laughs> this week, finding a Takata vehicle was easy. Remember, there was another massive round announced last month, uh, Subaru and then Honda and Toyota. So the, the, the waves are building. These Takata recalls are getting larger and larger. Uh, Agent Thunder took the assignment, speaking in the first person. I parked near the used car lot at Wallace Mazda, and this is in Stewart, Florida, at approximately 3 in the afternoon, walked toward the main showroom, a couple of salesmen partially hidden in a row of cars, both smoking cigarettes. That's not smart from a lot of perspectives. It's not smart because you're going to get lung cancer, and it's not smart because people don't like to be around smokers. I'm sorry. I just, you know. It's true. I used to smoke. I quit. Cigars. Well, I smoked cigarettes a long time ago. Yeah, I remember briefly. Yeah. You're having a midlife crisis. A midlife crisis, exactly. Uh, I quickened my pace. I was evil, too. 
it looked evil. Yeah, it was a cigar really added yeah. to the evil effect. Yeah, yeah, it really did. Yeah. <laughs> Once inside, I was immediately greeted by another salesperson named Do I pronounce that? Uh, Yoel. I think Yoel. Yoel. Like, maybe Yoel. I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna say Yoel. Okay. Uh, Yoel was young, maybe late twenties, very friendly and energetic. Remember what I said before? You're gonna love your salesman. Today, 21st century, the dealers figure that out. You got to have likable salesmen. And I guarantee you, Yoel was very likable. I told him I was there to see the 2013 Subaru Outback, asked him if he was familiar with the vehicle. Yoel said they only had one Outback in stock and knew exactly where it was. I told him I'd like to look at it, drive it prior to doing anything else. Yoel was easy to work with. He said, no problem, and asked me for my driver's license. He was quick too. In a couple of minutes, Yoel was back with a license plate and keys in hand. You know, when I was reading the shopping reports, do write some for me. When I was reading that, and I saw he asked me for my driver's license. How many thousands have we done shopping reports? They all ask for the driver's license. Now there's control. Mm -hmm. The dealers know that if they don't get the driver's license and they steal their car, they're probably never going to get the car back. So what a great, their insurance company also requires them because if the car is damaged and they have the driver's license, their insurance covers it. So it's important to the dealer that the salesman always gets the driver's license and makes a copy of it before they do on the test drive. It's also because they require them to put them into the database so they yes. can do follow-up, yes. so that's the easiest way to get that info. So the dealer... The car dealer, the owner, is very motivated. No matter how many car dealerships he has, he is motivated to do that. Why can't he be motivated to save the lives of his customers? Yeah. By saying, I will not sell you this car because it has a dangerous right. recall. A whole lot of work goes into a whole lot of less important things. Yes. Copy by of your driver's I texted license. you a picture of UL, by the way, if you want to look at your phone. Oh. You will. No, it says time to stand. I have to. <laughs> right. Laura, we're running out of time. So. Exactly. I told him I was there to see the 2013. Okay, I did that, didn't I? Uh, yeah, okay. Subaru was in excellent condition, cosmetically speaking, freshly detailed with no visible scratches or dents. The tires looked new. Uh, didn't look like a seven-year-old car. The only problem was that it was green. <laughs> but I told you well that I thought it was a nice color. That's good. Each his own. Yeah. He all did an expert presentation, sounded excited as he told me about the features. I said I was impressed with it, uh, but it was I was a little worried about its age. I asked him if he was aware of any issue, like a mechanical problem. I said that I assumed it was out of warranty. He all confirmed that it was, but told me that I could get an extended warranty on it. You know, ka-ching, extended warranty. He said if the car was on the lot for sale, it meant that it had passed a mechanical and safety inspection. We hear that a phrase. That's, a, that's almost uniform. I responded by asking, so no safety issues. UOL said they only sold safe cars. Now, that's pretty misleading, isn't it, if you're selling cars with dangerous recalls? Uh, that's a lie if you're selling cars with dangerous recalls. I asked him about it. It's a past. 
like if it was ever a rental or in an accident. You also have the Carfax report, which tells everything we need to know. We don't want to test drive, return to the dealership. We sat down at a desk in his office, and he asked me if the Outlook was something I'd like to take home today, try out clothes. That's standard. They all do that. I said, I may buy it today, but I would need to leave to bring my wife back with me. We both wanted to be on the title. You asked me, um, uh, you asked me more questions about Yoel asked me more questions about the purchase, like whether I was financing or paying cash. I told him I would consider both. I said if we decide to finance, we'd like to do shorter term, three years, put down 6000 I said I'd already played with the numbers and wanted to keep my payments well under $300. Yoel said it sounded like my figures were right on the money. He said he would get a sales worksheet for me and a Carfax report. I asked him what the price was going to be. He uh, said the online price was the lowest price, that was true, that they offered. He said they would add a $799 dock fee and a $129 filing fee, but that was it. So there we are, uh, $809, almost $1,000. You all left, returned quickly with the documents. We looked at the Carfax report. He said it was a good report, no accidents, one order. He trailed off. He said there was... Uh, recall indicated. So there we have disclosure. But he thought it was probably already taken care of. Then he said, Wallace doesn't sell cars with open recalls. Well, we didn't know that. We knew it about the easy pay, but we didn't know that, uniformly speaking. He said he'd better check with his manager, make sure it had been addressed. He left, waited for five minutes. You all came back with Willie, the manager. Willie said it looked like the recall was reported very recently. It was filed on December 20, 2019. That's true. He said he'd be more comfortable if he could make some calls to clear up the situation. Willie apologized, said he didn't want to put me out, but he understood. I hadn't planned to take the car right then. I told him that that was right. He suggested I give him a day to figure out it. To figure it out, uh, once we had all the, the all clear, I could take delivery. I told him that I appreciated the way he handled this and I didn't feel put out at all. So there we have it. We actually had a disclosure. Could have been done better, but at least it was done. Yeah. And we come to voting time. And uh, what can I tell you? Uh, it's so refreshing to see a good intent. And we've seen it before with Wallace, and now we saw it again. We have two grades that came in from listeners. Uh, Tim gives them an A, and Jennifer gives them a B. That's it so far. That's pretty. That's pretty nice. Uh, uh, I'm, I would say. I always say this with Bill Wallace because I know Bill Wallace, known him for many, many years. Back when he just had a Ford dealership in Delray, and his father, named Earl Wallace, was had the dealership before. So I talk to Bill occasionally, and I'll call him about a customer complaint from uh, one of his customers, and he always takes care of them. How are we doing on the scores, Rick? So far, I've got uh, Donovan and Ernesto and Mark Ryan. All with B's. Good. Ed Overdyke with an A. And for me, I'm giving an A. I yeah. I see something surprising to me. I see them say, hey, whoa, yeah. we're stopping this right now yeah. till we find out what's going on. Yeah. Frank and Jupiter Farms gives them a B plus plus. Uh, I got, I'm, I'm going to give them an A too. They ought to be at the top of the chart. Remember, we've had the suggestion that we uh, we. 
What am I trying to say? We don't just have pass or fail. We grade the gradations of the passing or failing yeah. with scores. Yeah. And this would go at the top. We should put Bill Wallace Mazda yeah. at the top. Yeah, and I think Yoel did great. Willie did great. Um, yeah, even with the fees. I mean, he told him before he even showed the paperwork that he yeah. was going to get these fees added. So that's as transparent as we've seen. Yeah. Good and job, guys. Mark Anderson from Missouri, a B-. Well, congratulations, Wallace, Mazda, and Stewart. And we want to recommend you right now to all the Mazda dealers, Mazda buyers out there. By the way, Mazda's got a high-quality product. Yeah. I was really surprised. Consumer Reports ranked Mazda right up there with Toyota, Honda, and some of the other really, really good makes. So Mazda quality has come way up. Amory gives them an A. Amory just texted us. Okay, folks, we got to run. We'll see you next Saturday, 8 to 10. Bye -bye. Thanks for being a part of Earl on Card. Let's go.